it, it really is time. And so I want to share some things with you today from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. I was having a conversation before service with Brother Lewis, and I made a statement to him. I said, you know, people can choose where to invest. It's wise to invest, you know. It's wise to invest. The Bible says, consider the ant, thou sluggard. It's wise to invest. Now, what you invest and where you invest matter. But it's wise to invest. And the reality is, no matter where you and I invest, the scriptural principle holds true. You reap what you sow. And so where you invest, you will reap. And so we choose where we invest. We choose where we invest our finances. That's what we often think of when we hear that word. But we also choose far more importantly, just as importantly maybe, because usually our heart follows our finances because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. But we invest our time. That's probably the greatest commodity we invest. How do you and I use our time daily how do we invest our time how do we invest our resources how do we invest our voice what do we do with our time ephesians 5 and verse number 14 says this wherefore he saith awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light next verse see then notice see then that you walk circumspectly it's a word we don't use a lot that means walking aware of how and where you're walking aware of your surroundings as you're walking Walk circumspectly with attentiveness, with awareness, not as fools. Fools don't pay attention to where they're going or what's going on around them sometimes. But walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And what does that mean to walk circumspectly? How would we do that? What's some way? Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, there's a lot in those few verses. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I don't believe for a minute that the Lord is calling all of us, maybe not even any of us, to Pakistan. 
or to Kenya. But clearly, clearly, at this point in life, he has called us here. I don't mean here in this building. I mean here to these valleys. And so we have a voice. We have resources individually and collectively. And we have to be aware of the time that we're living in. We have to be aware of what's going on in our world. You, you, you don't have to read all the news or listen to all the news to know what's going on in our world. Now, we can be troubled and concerned like, oh, no, there's no hope. Or we can recognize, hold on, I should be concerned, but I have hope. And I have the voice of hope. Now, you have to determine... Again, where I started, where am I going to invest? Where am I going to invest? And this is what I, was, what I said to Brother Lewis as we were talking. I'm like, you can invest in this world and your desires and what you want to see and what you hope to have in this life. And the end result will not be so great. Or... I mean, it's going to cost you, right? It's going to cost you. Or you can invest in the kingdom, which is going to cost you, right? There's sacrifice involved. There's cost involved. There's, uh, both sides have cost. The difference is the outcome. But both sides, you're just determining, I'm going, to get, I'm going to invest in the things of this world and all of that and the pleasures of that, and it's going to cost me. Down the road. Or I can invest in the kingdom and make the sacrifices and the investments of time, effort, energy, resources. And it may, it will not be without pain and suffering at times along the way. But oh, one day. The reward of the investment. The reward of the investment. Don't. You understand the scripture that comes before reap what you sow is this verse. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You don't sow corn and expect to get green beans. Right? You don't plant tomatoes and come out looking for asparagus. You understand this simple principle. But somehow in our walk and relationship with God, what we want to do is we want to sow one thing but get another. And here's what we'll do. I'll sow corn. I'm just, bear with me. I'll sow corn and I'll pray. God, you know I don't want corn. You know it's not good for me. So I pray what I sowed, let it come up green beans, because I really love those. And you would be like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard. What would you think if I told you? I'm not a big tomato eater unless it's in salsa, right? I love it in salsa and stuff like that. And my wife, but she plants all these tomatoes. Okay? So I don't know if she's really selfish or she's going to make lots of salsa. No, I'm kidding. But we got all these beautiful tomato plants that are growing 
in the corner of our house thanks to my wife's investment. But can you imagine if I told you every day, because I'm not a huge, I, I won't take a tomato and eat it, like slice it up and eat it. She will. Can you imagine if I told you, well, you know what? She planted some stuff, but that's not what I want. And so I really, really like this other thing. You know, personally, I love yellow squash cooked just right. And so she didn't plant any yellow squash, but I know she planted something. So every day I pray that somewhere along the way squash will come up. Now, if I told you I was really doing that, you're like, he really is an idiot. He's lost his mind. He is clueless. Well, no, I believe God will answer my prayer. Sounds foolish, doesn't it? But can I tell you, that's exactly what we do sometimes. Is we sow all this one kind of seed that's not good seed. And then we have regret over sowing that seed. And we pray that God will somehow miraculously cause something different to come up. Oh, God. And we pray for our children when we've sown Hollywood into their lives. We pray for our children for God to do something for them. And we've sown the love of sports and those things more than the love of word of God in their life. And we pray for God to do that. And, and we've sown all this seed. And, but we're praying, oh, God. And the voice of the Spirit of the Lord is saying, redeem the time. you got to sow right seed if you want good things to come up. That's a principle of the Word of God. You want the blessing of God in your life? Sow right seed. See, we want to shirk responsibility and just pray it better. I really thought we were going somewhere else. It does not work that way. What you sow is exactly what you reap. you got to sow good seed. Now, a God who's full of grace and mercy. Here's what happens. Can I tell you? Maybe this will help us. Here's what happens. Is a life, the Lord deals with our heart like he's dealing with our heart today. And we recognize by the grace of God, he arrests our attention and we recognize the urgency of the hour. And so hopefully what happens by the drawing of the Spirit of God and the work of the Spirit of God is we repent. We have a change of how we think about things. And in repentance, God begins to deal with us. And so we begin to change our ways according to the change of our thinking. And we begin to sow differently than we've sowed in the past. We begin going, you know what? I'm done sowing. Now, you understand, part of that is saying, I'm done with this seed. I'm getting this seed that I've been sowing out. Sometimes what we try to do is come sow good seed along with bad seed and think it'll balance out. You realize you got to get rid of the bad seed. It's like saying, you know what? I'm going to send my kids to Sunday school every week, but I'm still going to feed Hollywood into their brain every day. And hopefully Sunday school will outweigh all that stuff. No, it doesn't work that way. You got to get rid of the bad seed. You got to cut out some seed. I don't walk out into a field full of weeds and go, this looks like a good place to grow corn. Somebody come out here with me. Let's start just throwing corn out and plant it. You're like, you mean you're not going to like clean out all the weeds and turn the soil and get it ready for the... 
oh no, I'm just going to, I think if I get enough corn out there to override all these other weeds and we'll, doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. And so the spirit of the Lord comes and deals with our hearts and says, I'm trying to have some things produced in your life that you would like to see in your life. I want to bless your home. I want to bless your marriage. I want to bless your family. I want to bless you on the job. But you can't pray, God, do all this while you're over here sowing seed that's contrary to the will of God and the word of God. Is this too plain? And This is pretty simple, isn't it? We understand this. We want a different... Uh, we want to sometimes pray our way around the principles of the word of God. You can't do that. You're asking God to do something contrary to his word. He's not going to do that. That prayer never gets answered. And so we have to look at how we're doing this. So that's on the individual level. So now let's go back to this verse we read. When we begin to walk with awareness circumspectly, and we're aware of the time and redeeming the time, all of a sudden, our, our life shifts. Everything in life shifts. The lens that we see through now is different. The lens that we view life through is completely different. And we recognize the primary purpose for living, I've now come to know. I'm no, I, I, here, here's a great revelation for some. I think many of us have it, but maybe I'm just talking to myself. A great revelation for us. We're not here to live for ourselves. There's some preachers out there that are saying, live your best life. No, the best way to live a great life, Jesus said, is to lose my life for his sake. And then I would find it. That's the sacrifice of investment, but the reward is eternal. And so we have to walk with an awareness of what time it is. And we've got to choose how we invest our time every day. I appreciate the sensitivity to the Holy Ghost of Brother Ethan and leading in worship today. We don't, we don't get together and say, hey, I, I feel like I'm going this direction, so it would be cool if we sing some songs along this line. I, we really don't do that, I promise you. Uh, there's a time or two I've asked him, hey, I'd really like, I think I'd like this song, but not because it necessarily fits something I think I might be teaching about. But there was a thread there that you heard about the kingdom of the Lord and the will of God today. In a couple of the songs of praise and worship that many of us opened our mouth and declared. Amen. We opened our mouth and declared it. Lord, we pray. Your kingdom come. Lord, we pray. Now, either it was just a song that had no value and meaning to you, or when you were saying that, it was a cry of your heart to the living God. I pray your kingdom come. I pray your will be done. Lord, we pray. And so there comes this element of redeeming the time for the will of God to be wrought. It's interesting, James chapter 4, verse 13. James 4 and 13 book of James is a wonderful book. It's only five short chapters, but the beauty of the book of James is James is just, he just speaks straight to the point. 
It's one of those easy-to-understand books. So I love James so much. I love the whole word. But James, you, you, just, you, want, it, you want it to just hit you straight between the eyes, and you're like, I got it. Read James. It's, you're like, if you're one of those people who says, just tell me straight, read James. Really? Some of you are going, hold on, I don't like it that straight. But what? watch what James says. Go to now. Who's he talking to? You that say. Those of you that are saying, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city. And we'll continue there a year. And we'll buy and we'll sell and we'll get gain. Verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Next verse. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, do you see what James just said in those three verses? I know you were listening and reading along. But let's bring it back in today's English versus the King James. He wasn't saying there's something wrong with saying, hey, I got a plan to go and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go into this city and do that. I'm going to go here and do this. What is he talking about there in verse number 13? He's talking about us having plans for our life. Making plans to do this. Making plans to do this. Making plans to, you fill in the blank. Bigger house, fancy car, order this, develop that, grow this, move up in my job. He, he's not knocking any of those things, you understand. He's saying, but you're saying, this is what I'm going to do. Tomorrow I'm going to do this, and then the next day I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go here, and this is my plan to get gain. This is, he's walking through a person that is ordering their own life. That's what he's addressing in that verse. Someone who is ordering their own life. And he says, he tries to arrest our attention. He says, hold on, don't you understand? Your life is a vapor. It appears for just a moment. And then it's gone. I'm almost 53 years old. I don't know how that happened. I was talking to Brother TJ this morning, Brother Tim. Brother Tim just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Brother Tim. A few days late. I'll pick on him. He's 56 years old. He's older than me. I keep trying to catch him, but no success. I told him, man, you're closer to 60 now than ever. Brother TJ was sort of laughing. I said, Brother TJ's catching up with you. I said, I said you know, Brother Tim, 60 is the new 40. So he's neck and neck with Brother TJ now. I'm adding years to Brother TJ's life. Sorry. I said, 60s the new four. Man, how did it happen? Where did it go? It seems like just yesterday. I've got kids that are pushing 30, and I'm like, what in the world? How? That can't be possible. It, it, it seems like they were born yesterday, and I remember, and I, how, how did it happen? I, I'll tell you what happened. Life's a vapor. My grandmother used to tell me, she would say, 
the older I get, the faster it goes. It's absolutely true. Seems like I celebrated 50 last week and I'm celebrating 53 in a few more weeks. Like, man, it used to be one year at a time. Now it seems like it's three and four and five years at a time. It's just, it's just moving so fast. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. The vapor is fading. The vapor is fading. I'm at a point in my life where I recognize the vapor is fading. And if the Lord tarries, I have much fewer years left than I've already spent. The vapor of my life is fading. And so I have an urgency to redeem the time. You say, well, I'm not 53. <laughs> You're right. You're young. Or you're older. <laughs> there is no promise of tomorrow either. There is no promise of tomorrow. This is what the writer Paul was saying in Ephesians. Walk circumspectly. Be aware don't walk as a fool. Redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. I have a question for you. Do you think the days are more evil now or 1,800, 1,900 years ago when Paul wrote those words? So how much more? How much more now should you and I walk circumspectly? Now, that starts with, you've got to, I've got to. I, I really feel the Holy Ghost trying to just dig deep for some of you today. You and I have got to examine our lives individually, first and foremost. And go, how am I walking? What am I sowing? How am I living? Where are my priorities? Where am I investing? What is most critical to my life? Where is this all being put? You got to do that first. You got to settle that issue in your own life. But then far greater than that, or once that's done, then the far greater cry becomes, Okay, I've got to be aware of all those about me. Every place I have influence, every place I have contact, every place I can have opportunity because we're redeeming the time. We're redeeming the time. We're redeeming the time. Would you pray with me? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you have called us, you have called us individually and collectively for a time such as this. I believe that with all of my heart. And God, we want to walk according to your will as we have sang and worshiped this morning. So it is our desire to walk according to your will and your purpose and do the work of the kingdom of God. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We have to redeem the time. We, we find an interesting passage in Luke chapter number 12. Maybe we'll go there real quick. Luke 12. Verse, we'll just start maybe at verse 15. Jesus is speaking to a group of people, and he says to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life, notice, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. There used to be an old saying that was, I don't know if it was supposed to be comical or what, it was really foolish. You probably, many of you have probably heard it. There's an old saying that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Anybody ever heard that or just me? No, some of you. Okay. Well, we realize how foolish that is and how untrue that is. This scripture bears out the untruth of that statement. A man's life, a woman's life. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Please hear the word of the Lord. Your life and my life does not consist in the things that we possess. I want that to just settle into your spirit and your heart. Your life and my life does not consist in the things we possess. The fancier car, the nicer home. Nothing wrong with God if God says, hey, I've given you these things. But they're all temporal. But isn't it funny? Society measures life by things. That's the God of this world working contrary to the word of God. You understand, there's nothing wrong with having things. The challenge becomes when things have us. And I'm more interested in things than I am in him. We have to get to a place where we can say with Job, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because our life is really made up of how God would take us and use us for his glory. That's where life is. You want to live. You, you want to live. Let your life be wrapped up in him. And how he would take you and use you and work in you. And it, it's not always some huge, grandiose thing. It's the day-to-day -day living. Can I, can I just tell, give a little promo and shout-out here? Can I say shout-out? I'm probably too old to say that. Um, give a little appreciation and recognition here. Sorry, I just, it just came out the other way here. I feel too young to say that the way I saw. You know, last week, um, this past week, um, my wife and I invited ourselves. Sometimes we invite ourselves over to people's houses. <laughs> and so um, we invited ourselves over uh, Brother Gabe and Sister Sandra's house, and they were cooking that night, so it worked out really good. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> 
anyway, we invited ourselves over. They do Bible study, and uh, them and Sister Alex, Sister Stephanie, and Bobby, and and so Brother Jose, we got to see him on. He joined us on FaceTime or something, and so we were there, and they were redeeming the time. I was so, you know, you ever go through stuff in your life? Okay, I know the answer. I just want to make sure you're listening. You guys are all looking at me like, what kind of dumb question is that? Of course we do. Well, I, I, was, I was dealing with some stuff. I was fighting through some things spiritually that happens from time to time that I wasn't going to take ownership of them, but I was warring, and I'm like, I'm just, let's just go, let's invite ourselves over to their house, and we'll go over and see what happens. And, uh, and so we went, and they have this beautiful Bible study they do. It's really, really complicated, so I don't know that anybody else could do it. But it's, um, it, it takes a ton of investment and energy and time and pre-study and lots and lots of work that way. So, again, I don't know that anybody else could do it. But we had the benefit of going and being there with them. Some of you are going like, what Bible study are they doing? For those of you that are going, is this the same Gabe and Sandra? I know. Shame on you. No, they're, they're diligent and hardworking. But we, we went out, they have this Bible study. I don't even know what the Bible study is. I just know it's some plan that they follow that has different books of the Bible that you read every day. It's a daily reading plan or a weekly reading plan or something. It's a daily. And a daily thank you. And they, they read through and... We had the privilege of showing up, and they were reading in Psalms 34 and reading in Numbers chapter 14, I think, and, and Luke somewhere, and, and we, we just bounced around. And what happens, you go around the table, and people just read a few verses, seven or eight verses, and then they talk about what they just read. Told you it was complicated. And I'm telling you, I don't know if they were just being kind or just putting pressure or what, but like they're like, okay, Elder Hart, you read first. And I got to read Psalms. And I'm telling you, the moment I started reading the Word of God, the Word of God, I don't know if it did anything for anybody else, but it sure started ministering to me the moment I started reading the Word of God. I had to work to just sort of keep it together. The Word of God was ministering to all that I was dealing with. And all of a sudden, man, stuff just started. Revelation starts going. And then Sister Alex read, and then Brother Gabe read, and Sister Sandra read, and Brother Bobby read, and Sister Stephanie read, and then Sister Stephanie read. They kept the part for her. At the, she was at the end, but we made it back. And, and we talked about those things through the Word of God, and I thought, this is redeeming the time. This is redeeming the time. The word of God in its beauty and power was being read and it was redeeming the time. I thought, what would happen? How difficult would that be for every home to determine? You know what? When that question comes up, what are we doing tonight? I'll tell you what. Let's all get our Bible and let's do a plan. Let's just read out loud together for a few minutes. And, let, and then let's talk about what we read Redeeming the time. It so ministered to my spirit that night. Sister Alex was preaching. She was. 
She got a little preach in her, don't she? Yep. She was preaching revelation. I was talking to Brother Reuben yesterday after men's prayer. He was sharing things. He was sharing the same stuff that Sister Alex had shared about. That they, they were both getting this revelation, and, and God's talking to me still, and I'm listening. And here's what they were talking about. I should just have her come and preach right now, huh? She's like, no way. But we were reading in Numbers. Isn't that an exciting book? I know you're thinking it's not, but we got some stuff in there, didn't we? We got some stuff in there that night. There's power in the word of God. And so we're reading the book of Numbers, and we start talking about all these parts of the temple and all this stuff, and I learned these ladies go off on tangents, right? But in the word, they're talking about stuff in the scripture. So the men bear with it. God bless Brother Gabriel. Give him strength. And so I'm still talking to you about redeeming the time. Sometimes we complicate redeeming the time, but how we use our time and how we invest our time matters. And so we're talking about all these different people in the temple. They were telling... In Numbers, where we were reading, it was about taking down the tabernacle in the, in the wilderness and covering it up and putting things, getting them ready to carry. Doesn't that just sound like an exhilarating Bible study? But the Lord was talking to us from that. And Sister Alex was talking about, like, everybody had, like, this different job. Everybody had a job. You know, some people had very simple jobs. They were responsible for all the snuffer dishes and things like, and you're like, what are those? They, but everybody had something that they did. And Brother Reuben was talking to me yesterday about everybody having something that they do in different parts and places and who does what and how it's just everyone doing their being in the right place. And the reality is, I'm going to bring this all back full circle for you, okay? The reality is there's not a one of us in this room, to my knowledge, that have done Zoom Bible studies in Pakistan. That's not our place. It's not our place. Some of us, our place is showing up on Tuesday night and teaching an anger management class to 10 people and watching how God will touch a life in that environment. But everyone has a part in redeeming the time. And some are more visible than others. And some aren't visible at all. But one is not more significant than the other. Every part matters because of the time. The time. We have to redeem the time. I wondered... About those people in the tabernacle. I didn't share this, but I sort of wondered about this, Sister Alex. I'm messing up your Bible study. I sort of wondered, you know, like the guys that carried the Ark of the Covenant, you know, when they moved the tabernacle. I wonder if they were like, I moved the Ark. What do you do? Oh, I, I, I carry the snuffer dishes. Oh, you think none of that ever probably happened in humanity back then? 
measuring of roles, comparing of visibility, comparing of how important. Uh, it must be far more important to carry the ark than it is to carry the curtains that hang around the outside of the tent. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know why one is not more important than the other? Because it was all about the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle was where the presence of the Lord came. The tabernacle was where the word of God, the tabernacle was where God met them. And so every part was important because it was about meeting with God. It wasn't about the individual and the individual role. Everyone said, I'll do my part because it causes us to meet with God. And I just want to do whatever part I have to do so that God meets with us. A redeeming of the time. Now, if I were to ask you at the beginning of this service or the beginning of whatever we're doing right now, if I were to ask you, how many of you, if I ask you today, you could teach a Bible study? Raise your hand. Go ahead right now. Raise your hand. If you could teach. I, I, I didn't ask you then. I'm asking you now. Okay. If, you could, if I said, hey, I need somebody to teach a Bible study starting tomorrow, raise your hand if you could do it. Ra ra this isn't an indictment. If you're like, hey, I could do it, raise your hand. If you're like, yes, I could. Don't worry, I'm not going to say you have to. Just raise it high, high. Stick it up high. I want to see. Don't be bashful. High. Okay, good. Now put your hand down. Now, here's the deal. Everybody didn't raise their hand. And you know why everybody didn't raise their hand? I'm not picking on anybody. You understand? Here's why. Because some of us say, I couldn't. But I just told you the super complex Bible study that they did Tuesday night. Here's what they did. They took some pre-described scriptures and sat down with people and just said, let's read them together and let's talk about what we read. That's studying the Bible together. talking about redeeming the time what happens if you get a group of people and say hey why don't we just meet up at a coffee shop and let's do a book club yeah sister Priscilla's like I'm in <laughs> I heard her right and the book club is going to be it's a book you may or may not have heard of but let's do the book of acts And we'll just read together and we'll talk about what we read. Isn't, is that what book clubs do? I've never been in a book club. Yeah, all the ladies are like, yeah, all the dudes are like, I don't know. Okay. By the way, dudes, you could do this kind of book club. Okay. Did you know, I should have brought one with me this morning. Did you know you can buy the book of Acts by itself? For like four or five bucks. So you can spend 25 bucks and get your little group, all the book of Acts. And one page has the verses and the other page is blank. And one page has the verses and the other page. You could do a Bible study together through the book of Acts. You want to do a Bible study on the book of Ephesians? You could buy the book of Ephesians by itself. I think it's like five bucks too. Okay. How many of you could teach a Bible study tomorrow if you had to? Oh, look at that.
anybody can do this. We have to redeem the time. We have to redeem the time. We have to be talking about the things that matter now. We have to be praying about the things that matter. We have to be investing our energy and effort about the things that matter. I know we still have to go to work. I know we still have to pay the bills. I know we still have to do those things. But let's make sure we're redeeming the time and aware of the time. Would you stand with me today? Let's keep reading Luke 12. I know it's still up there. I'll be quick because now you're standing. So Jesus said this about the things they possess. And then the next verse, after saying that, he said, I want to tell you a story. He spoke a parable to them. He said, I got a story to sort of help you understand this. He spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man. And this sounds like sowing and reaping. I never saw this here. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He must have sowed. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows plentifully will reap. He must have sowed plentifully. And he thought within himself. Remember what James said? I think today I'll go in this town and do this and that, and then I'll get great gain. And I'll, This is the same. This is what's happening right here. He thought within himself. This is what I'm going to do. He's ordering his life. What shall I do? Because I've got nowhere to put all my stuff, all my fruits. This is what I'll do, he says. He's ordering his life. I'm going to pull down my barns, and I'm going to build greater ones. And there I'll bestow all my fruits and all of my goods. This is him ordering his life. And this is what I'm going to say to my soul. Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. You've done good. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You've earned it. Next verse. But God said to him, You fool. Hold on a minute. I ordered my life and I was successful by the world's standards. I ordered my life and I've, I've earned this and I've ordered my life and I've got all these things in order. I've ordered my life and everything looks really nice now and I've, I've ordered my life and my plan has played out. Right, your plan has. And God said, you fool, this night, your soul will be required of you. And then, who shall all those things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You understand, the Lord wasn't just completely saying you shouldn't lay up, you shouldn't. But James told us what we should say is, if the Lord will. If the Lord will. We should be rich toward God. 
And we do that by redeeming the time. Redeeming the time is investing, 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 investing. And I realize in many ways I'm speaking to the choir because so many of you daily, you're investing in the kingdom. You're investing in the kingdom. You're investing in the kingdom. But I feel the Spirit of God trying to provoke all of us and really saying, hey, for yourself. Here's a statement I hear. You got to invest in yourself. You ever heard that? Well, that's a popular saying today, isn't it? Me time. Take care of me. I got to invest in self. You know what? I'm going to say that's okay. With qualifications. If you want to invest in yourself, invest in prayer and the relationship with God. That's an investment in yourself. You want to invest in yourself? Invest in the word of God and hiding it in your heart. That's an investment in yourself that will reap eternal rewards. You want to invest in yourself? Lay down your life for his sake and watch what happens. Watch what happens. There has to be an investment of our time because of this hour. And I'm telling you, there are opportunities for you and for I right now to sow into lives and they are hungry and waiting for you to do so if the Lord can arrest our attention and open our eyes so I go I can do this I can so my life isn't all perfect I don't have everything in order yet I don't have it all fixed yet but I can teach this Bible study there's somebody I know that needs this there's somebody I know that needs to hear. And I'll tell you what will happen. Listen to me. I'm opening this altar to you. But I'm going to tell you what will happen. You will reach out to someone and begin investing in them. And as you do so, God will begin to pour into your life. And he'll begin to minister to you and heal you where you'd really like him to touch. There's something that happens when we put our focus on the field that God's called us to and let God, that's a letting go of my life for his sake. And I begin investing in somebody else and God begins to pour into my life. And I, don't, and I look back and I go, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You got your eyes off your situation. You put it in his hands and started pouring into somebody else. And God said, let me deal with that. Where you're sowing, you're going to reap. Would you talk to the Lord right now? And I'm opening this altar to you. Would you find a place of prayer and talk to the Lord today? If he quickens a life to your heart, would you purpose? Would you purpose? I'll reach to them.